0: A THOUSAND MILES UP THE NILE SECTION 72 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A THOUSAND MILES UP THE NILE by Amelia B. Edwards APPENDIX Three: THE RELIGIOUS BELIEFS OF THE EGYPTIANS Did the Egyptians believe in one eternal God, whose attributes were merely symbolized by their numerous deities, or must the whole structure of their faith be resolved into a solar myth with its various and inevitable ramifications this is the great problem of egyptology and it is a problem that has not yet been solved egyptologists differ so widely on the subject that it is impossible to reconcile their opinions as not even the description of a temple is complete without some reference to this important question and as the question itself underlies every notion we may form of an ancient Egyptian and ancient Egyptians, I have thought it well to group here a few representative extracts from the works of one or two of the greatest authorities upon the subject. The religion of the Egyptians consisted of an extended polytheism represented by a series of local groups. The idea of a single deity self-existing or produced— was involved in the conception of some of the principal gods, who are said to have given birth to or produced gods, men, all beings, and things. Other deities were considered to be self-produced. The sun was the older object of worship, and in his various forms, as the rising, midday, and setting sun, was adored under different names, and was often united, especially at Thebes, to the types of other deities, as Amon and Mentu the oldest of all the local deities ptah who was worshipped at memphis was a demiurgus or creator of heaven earth gods and men and not identified with the sun besides the worship of the solar gods that of osiris extensively prevailed and with it the antagonism of set the egyptian devil the metempsychosis or transmigration of the soul the future judgment the purgatory or hades the Kernator, the alua, or elysium, and final union of the soul to the body after the lapse of several centuries. Besides the deities of heaven, the light, and the lower world, others personified the elements or presided over the operations of nature, seasons, and events. Guide to the first and second Egyptian rooms. British Museum, S. Birch, 1874. Quote, THIS RELIGION, OBSCURED AS IT IS BY A COMPLEX MYTHOLOGY, HAS LENT ITSELF TO MANY INTERPRETATIONS OF A CONTRADICTORY NATURE, NONE OF WHICH HAVE BEEN UNANIMOUSLY ADOPTED. BUT THAT WHICH IS BEYOND DOUBT, AND WHICH SHINES FORTH FROM THE TEXT FOR THE WHOLE WORLD'S ACCEPTANCE, IS THE BELIEF IN ONE GOD. THE POLYTHEISM OF THE MONUMENTS IS BUT AN OUTWARD SHOW the innumerable gods of the Pantheon are but manifestations of the one being in his various capacities. That taste for allegory which created the hieroglyphic writing found vent likewise in the expression of the religious idea, that idea being, as it were, stifled in the later periods by a too abundant symbolism. P. Perret, Dictionnaire d'archéologie égyptienne, 1875, Translated from article on religion the god of the egyptians was unique perfect endued with knowledge and intelligence and so far incomprehensible that one can scarcely say in what respects he is incomprehensible he is the one who exists by essence the one sole life of all substance the one single generator in heaven and earth who is not himself engendered the father of fathers the mother of mothers always the same, immutable in immutable perfection, existing equally in the past, the present, and the future. He fills the universe in such wise that no earthly image can give the feeblest notion of his immensity. He is felt everywhere, he is tangible nowhere. G. Maspero, translated from Histoire ancienne des peuples de Lorient. Paris, 1876 chapter 1 page 26 Quote, "unfortunately the more we study the religion of ancient egypt the more our doubts accumulate with regard to the character which must finally be attributed to it the excavations carried on of late at dendera and edfu have opened up to us an extraordinary fertile source of material these temples are covered with text and present precisely the appearance of two books which authoritatively treat, not only of the gods to which these two temples are dedicated, but of the religion under its more general aspects. But neither in these temples, nor in those which have been long known to us, appears the one god of Jamblichus. If Amon is the first of the first at Thebes, if Ptah is at Memphis, the father of all beings, without beginning or end, so also is every other Egyptian god separately endowed with these attributes of the divine being. In other words, we everywhere find gods who are uncreate and immortal, but nowhere that unique, invisible deity, without name and without form, who was supposed to hover above the highest summit of the Egyptian pantheon. The temple of Dendera, now explored to the end of its most hidden inscriptions, of a certainty furnishes no trace of this deity. The one result, which above all others seems to be adduced from the study of this temple, is that, according to the Egyptians, the universe was God himself, and that pantheism formed the foundation of their religion. A. Mariette Bay, translated from Itinerie de la Haute Egypt, Alexandria, 1872, page 54. The sun is the most ancient object of Egyptian worship found upon the monuments. HIS BIRTH EACH DAY, WHEN HE SPRINGS FROM THE BOSOM OF THE NOCTURNAL HEAVEN, IS THE NATURAL emblem OF THE ETERNAL GENERATION OF THE DIVINITY. HENCE THE CELESTIAL SPACE BECAME IDENTIFIED WITH THE DIVINE MOTHER. IT WAS PARTICULARLY THE NOCTURNAL HEAVEN WHICH WAS REPRESENTED BY THIS PERSONAGE. THE RAYS OF THE SUN, AS THEY AWAKENED ALL NATURE, SEEMED TO GIVE LIFE TO ANIMATED BEINGS. HENCE THAT WHICH DOUBTLESS WAS ORIGINALLY A SYMBOL BECAME THE FOUNDATION OF THE RELIGION. It is the sun himself whom we find habitually invoked as the Supreme Being. The addition of his Egyptian name, Ra, to the names of certain local divinities would seem to show that this identification constituted a second epoch in the history of the religions of the valley of the Nile. Viscount e de Rouget, translated from Notice sommaires des monuments égyptiens du Louvre. Paris, 1873, page 120. That religion, whether based on a solar myth, or upon a genuine belief in a spiritual god, became grossly material in its later developments, is apparent to every student of the monuments. Monsieur Maspero has the following remarks on the degeneration of the old faith. Quote, in the course of ages, the sense of the religion became obscured. In the text of Greek and Roman date, that lofty conception of the divinity which had been cherished by the early theologians of Egypt still peeps out here and there. Fragmentary phrases and epithets yet prove that the fundamental principles of the religion are not quite forgotten. For the most part, however, we find that we no longer have to do with the infinite and intangible God of ancient days, but rather with a God of flesh and blood who lives upon the earth, AND HAS SO ABASED HIMSELF AS TO BE NO MORE THAN A HUMAN KING. IT IS NO LONGER THIS GOD, OF WHOM NO MAN KNEW EITHER THE FORM OR THE SUBSTANCE. IT IS KNEF AT ESNA, HATHOR AT DENDERA, Horus, KING OF THE DIVINE DYNASTY AT EDFU. THIS KING HAS A COURT, MINISTERS, AN ARMY, A FLEET. HIS ELDEST SON HORHAT, PRINCE OF CUSH AND HEIR PRESUMPTIVE TO THE THRONE, COMMANDS THE TROOPS. His first minister, Thoth, the inventor of letters, has geography and rhetoric at his fingers' ends, is historiographer royal, and is entrusted with the duty of recording the victories of the king and of celebrating them in high-sounding phraseology. When this god makes war upon his neighbor Typhon, he makes no use of the divine weapons, of which we should take it for granted that he could dispose at will. He calls out his archers and his chariots, descends the Nile in his galley, as might the last new pharaoh, directs marches and counter-marches, fights battle-plans, carries cities by storm, and brings all Egypt in submission to his feet. We see here that the Egyptians of Ptolemaic times had substituted for the one god of their ancestors a line of god-kings, and had embroidered these modern legends with a host of fantastic details. G. Maspero, Translated from Histoire ancienne des peuples de l'Orient, Paris, 1876, Chapter 1, pages 50 through 51. End of section 72.